neighbor beside you and say, Are you sure you combed your hair this morning? Yeah. Amen. I'm glad you're not by me. You'd have said, What hair? How many of you love preaching? Could I see your hand if you love preaching? I love preaching. Amen. I love it. That's the reason I'm gonna I want to hear what I got to say today. Uh, <laughs> amen. Paul sounds good already, doesn't it? Yeah. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 21, I'm going to be reading today from the NIV, and uh, I think the text will be above me. But uh, Proverbs 21, and I'm going to go down to verse number 30. And uh, if you have your electronic device, you want to read it off the screen, or if you want to uh, uh, bring your your good old Holy Bible with you. Does that sound good? A good old Holy Bible? And uh, let's uh, go to Proverbs 21 and verse 30. And I'm going to read it in your hearing now. There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that, that can succeed against the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Feel that already? I'm going to read again. Are you ready? There's no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the wisdom of the Lord. Uh, I, I want to ask a question. You may feel free to respond by the raised hand. Have you ever had the plans worked out in your brain but they didn't work out in life. Have you ever had it all figured out and you thought it was going to be like this, but it wasn't like this? I'm going to give a little true-to-life illustration here that some of you may be able to relate to. Uh, how many of you in the house go to work usually about around what we might call rush hour? That's kind of, well, you know, I mean, in Corsicana, we don't have an hour and 45-minute waits in, on the freeway. But, but how many of you go to work somewhere around the time everybody else is trying to get the kids dropped at the schools and, and get over to the, uh, uh, to the job site? Could I see your hand if you're kind of one of those rush hour people because you got kind of pushed into it? Okay. Now, there's a lady who had a ritual and this ritual was to go to Burger King and order a sandwich. Those places get busy around breakfast and then around noon. And then when people get off, they get that uh, something to grab home from a fast food place. So this lady goes to the Burger King and orders her same sandwich that she always gets. It is a BK broiler. It has no mayo, and she has to have a Diet Coke with it. I prefer the Dr. Pepper. She, she went through the drive religiously. She was always going through the drive. It was uh, kind of a sacred ritual with her. And one day, the drive-through was backed up all the way to the street. Now the frustration hits. Now you start looking at your clock or your watch. 
Now you start thinking, they're going to be waiting on me, and I'm not going to be there when I'm supposed to be there. And one day she drove through, uh, and she got to the drive-thru and backed up to the street, and she couldn't find a place to park in the parking lot because all of the available parking spaces were taken. There was nowhere for her to park. She was running late, and the line was all the way to the street. Has anybody ever been there? Could I see your hand? Yeah. Uh, So she drove around the block several different times, around and around and around and around. And all of the other fast food restaurants in the same little stretch of street there, their parking lots were full, and she couldn't get in anywhere. And finally she found a parking place and just slammed her car into it, hit the brakes, put it in park, and goes in to order her uh, BK broiler with no mayo and this Diet Coke. This nervous teenager <clears throat> was new on the job, uh, and wouldn't you figure that? He didn't know what he was doing. He was a trainee. He's standing there, and she walks up to the counter, looks at him, and says, I want my favorite. I want my BK broiler, no mayo, and my Diet Coke. And this young guy looks at that screen on the computer. He apologizes after he looks and looks and looks and looks more. And she is fuming mad. Her favorite meal. And she's got to have it to get out of there. He apologized and said, ma'am, I'm sorry. She said, I told you I wanted a BK broiler, mayo, and a Diet Coke. That's what I told you and I'm expecting it. I need it. He panics and yells to the boss that's behind him, and she yells louder. A manager hears the noise and steps up, and uh, she enunciates in syllables. Listen to this. I uh, want a BK uh, broiler uh, with extra mayo and uh, diet uh, coke. uh, She was really getting her point across. And the manager disgustingly looks up after hearing all of these extra syllables and says, Ma'am, this is uh, Taco Bella. (laughs) And in her great frustration, she had gone to the wrong restaurant. Sometimes... I don't want to hurt your feeling, but sometimes we just flat don't get it, do we? Come on, quit looking as innocent. <laughs> sometimes we just don't get it. We flat out do not get it. And, uh, and when we want our BK broiler and we're at Taco Bell, and it, excuse English, I know better, but it ain't going to work. It just doesn't work. And our text is proof that sometimes the devil will try to make something backfire in our face. Man, I've seen that a lot. The doctor told my daughter, Melissa, our pastor's wife, you have nearly been to the cemetery twice in one year. You were nearly gone. And the devil made it just kind of explode in our, in our minds. When Michael came down with COVID and that massive blood clot was in his lung and both lungs and both lungs with pneumonia 
breathing treatments and panic and all this kind of stuff, man, the devil would just jump right in your face and yell at you. Can anybody relate? The, doc, the, the, the doctor may not have the answer. The medical profession may not. The preacher may not. The social worker may not. The boss at the job may not. And then that's the very moment the devil walks up and says, Look, things are not going to be like you thought they were going to be. And you let the enemy drop it in your brain that Satan is going to prevail. That's happened a lot of times. You know, uh, I want everybody to understand that God still prevails. And, and if you don't believe that, let's talk about Pharaoh briefly. He had a plan. He had his BK broiler, extra mayo, and a Diet Coke. Come on, paraphrasing here a little bit. Everybody understand. He had his plan down, and his plan was to kill all of the male Hebrew children because he didn't want a child to be born that was a male that would take over his kingdom. And understand this, that when he made that edict, he gave that mandate, do you know that Exodus twelve twenty nine says that he also lost his firstborn son? Think that one over a little bit. Now, it backfired on him. It really did. Haman uh, was building gallows to hang a faithful man of God named Mordecai. And he was going to kill him. And he was having the gallows built and the hangman's noose ready. But guess what? It backfired in the face of Haman. And he ended up being hanged on the same gallows that he built for somebody else. I'm trying to build faith right now. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came into the face of a horrible trial. And that trial was, you bow to our God, you do what our God says, or you will fry. And all of a sudden, they refused to bow to a false god. And guess what happened? The men that were going to throw them into the fiery furnace were killed from the heat of the fire. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were walking around with an extra visitor named Jesus in the fire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, one more time. Hallelujah. All right, now we're rolling. Somebody told me one time, shall you all always preach about the Lord delivering Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fire. But you never talk about the Lord being out of there also. And I told him he's going to stay in the fire because I might be there next. He's just going to hang out there because I may be there next in line. You see, Daniel's accusers were responsible for Daniel being thrown into the den of lions. His accusers were. He ended up being not hurt and ended up out of the den of lions. And then in Daniel chapter 6, verse 23 and 24, listen to this. The people that threw him in the lion's den also 
they lost their life instead of Daniel. It backfired on the devil's plan. Look at me. The, the Satan of hell has got a plan. God's got a plan. And God is going to overcome if you'll stay under his shadow. Uh, God's got a plan. I'm, I'm preaching better than y'all clapping right now, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you another chance in just a minute, all right? So, so, so hear me today. Hear my heart. John was put on the island of Patmos to die. He was a political prisoner, not a criminal. He was a political prisoner. And uh, he was placed on the island of Patmos to die. And it all backfired on the devil. And when it backfired on the devil, while he was there, he wrote the letters to the churches. Uh, he also wrote in his ministry the book of Revelation. He also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And he wrote St. John because hell wanted him dead. But God had a plan that wouldn't fail. Hell wanted him dead, but God had a plan that wouldn't fail. I don't know how this works. I don't have it all figured out yet. It's still got me scratching my head. After 56 years of preaching and being everywhere that my wife and I and family have been preaching, I still don't have some of this figured out. But I do know one thing, that when the devil shoots the ball and it goes into the goal up there, somehow we end up getting the points. Amen. Somehow. Don't you wish the Mavs would have had that last night? Oh, man. One point. Last second of the game. Y'all pray for him. Amen. Right, John? Right. Amen, Joe? Okay. So, so I don't know how it works, but I do know that God and God alone has the answer. So you may have your BK uh, broiler with, uh, with extra mayo uh, in your Diet Coca figured out. And it may not work the way you want because sometimes our plans are not the plans of God. But God has a plan and His plan is not going to fail. His plan is going to work out. Billy Graham's daughter tells about two farmers who worked in the fields. And uh, while they were working in the fields, something took place in their prospective fields. One of them never worked on Sunday and the other one always worked on Sunday. One of them worked on Sunday. The other one said, no, I'm going to go to the house of God. I'm not going to do it. She honored God. She honored the Lord. And, and she said, God's day is a different day, and I'm going to go to church. The one who worked on the Lord's day, in fact, had a larger crop that year, had a bigger bounty and harvest. He even rubbed it in about how God blessed him, even though he worked on Sunday and the other one that went to church on Sunday didn't have near the crop that he had. And the lady and the man working in the field that had less that year looked at him and said, You don't understand. The crops are due in October, and it's October, but God doesn't always settle up his accounts at the same time. You just got to be patient. Come on. You just got to be patient. If you will allow me, this is true in our lives right now. I've wanted God to do things. I have told God what to do. 
I have given him the name, the address, the telephone number, the zip code, and I've even told him I'll go over and unlock the door and let him in if he'll show up. I have, I have given God orders. I've given God advice like you can't believe. It is so funny how little of my advice God has accepted. <laughs> Just almost none. I've told God what and how and when. I've, I've given God the perfect plan. I said, Lord, you can do it like this. I know it would work, etc. And then God look at me and just like, no. Amen. Uh, how many of you have ever had it figured out, but God had it figured out and it was his plan best? Can I see your hand? God has done that. Uh, there's a book called uh, Webster's Dictionary. It's called Webster's New Collegiate Dictionary. I have, I think, two or three of them in my office. I think people have given me them because of my poor English. <laughs> Ain't that right? <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. Uh, and uh, uh, there's a word in the dictionary, and it's called, uh, a hyphenated word called uh, prima facie. That's a word in there. And it means, look at me now, it means that first glance. It means that first look. That's what it means. It's a prima facie thing. That's how it looks. It's something that says, my first impression is this. My first look, my first impression is what we call the prima facie in our lives. In legal terms, the term prima facie is a word that goes with grand juries where they look at evidence. Or look, now, look at me now. Just stay with me on this. At first glance, at first impression, at first thought, we should have this person go to grand jury. That doesn't mean they're automatically guilty. It does not mean that they're automatically in trouble. It does not mean that they're automatically convicted. It does not mean any of that. But what it does mean in the prima facie or the first glance or the first look, it does mean we're going to take a closer look at it. We're going to take a little closer look at what we've got going on here. So that's what is called prima facie. Max Lucado said that Sarah in the Old Testament for 25 years, served as Satan's prima facie case. God said, you're going to have a baby. And she was over 70-something years old. God said, you'll have a child. He'll be a son of promise. And she was an elderly woman past the childbearing years. At first glance, it's not going to work. Somebody get it? I need a nod of a head. I... I all right, I need a Pentecostal amen. I need a Baptist nod or a Methodist eyebrow raised. All you preachers, write that one down. I, I want you to get this. The prima facie case is Sarah. At first glance, she is not going to have that baby. She can't. She's too old. Now, she was already past age. But God, somebody say out loud, but God. Somebody say it one more. But God. Listen, but God had a plan. And the devil 
was speaking things in people's minds, and Satan was pounding their mind with every force that there is. But we have to learn how, watch this, we have to learn how to tune the devil out and tune God in. You've got to tune Satan out and God in. I'm old enough to remember when you didn't push a little button on your car to tune a radio station in. You turned the dial. And you could go past it and then have to back up. And you'd go back a little bit and back a little bit. Somebody that old, put your hand up. See if you know, oh, yeah. God bless you all, you old good saints. Hallelujah. Nowadays, you just say, Siri, I want to hear so-and-so. And Siri will do it all for you. Amen. We have her on our GPS. She does not even know what she's doing. I'm serious. I told Barbara one day, I said, Barbara, she doesn't know. She's, she has no clue where we're going. And I said, she's got an ugly voice too. And then I looked at my wife. I shouldn't have done this last one. I said, and she's probably ugly. But I left that out here, okay? So, so at, at first glance... At first glance, when you first tune in, it's easy to not get it just right. Amen? I want everybody to hear this. Sarah had her baby. The, the, the evident truth, the first glance, the first impression was all wrong because God is in the middle of what's going on in your life. And he is not going to fail. And when, uh, when Sarah was there, it wasn't long until she was over at Walmart. And she was buying huggies and loves and depends all on the same day. I ain't much of a preacher, but I'm sure entertaining. Do you know what God did? God spoiled the devil's plans. God spoiled the devil's plans. Somebody take your right hand, lift it up, and say, God spoil the devil's plans. He's fighting me, and I'm going to overcome this in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Shout it a good amen right here. God is on the throne. If God has ever given you a word, if he's ever given you a word, listen to this. It's not over until God says it's over. It's not over until God says it's over. Don't get discouraged. Don't quit church. Don't quit church. I talk to people, well, I haven't been back to the house of God. It's just something I feel right now. I want you all to listen to this. The Bible does not give you permission to read His Word and say it's what it says, but since I don't feel like it, I don't do it. That is not Bible. And I want to tell you, and I want to tell you in the love of God, and I have a shepherd's heart, honey, you're wrong. It's that simple. Uh, when we were going through the pandemic stuff, and it was hitting with everybody, 
we wanted to be cautious. We wanted to be careful. And we did, and we were. And, and I want you to do what I do a lot of times uh, this past week. I, I still wear a mask a lot. That's uh, 110% good for me and, and for you if that's what you want to do. But let me tell you this. Satan can pound on us long enough that we forget that God is still God. And we're not going to quit and give up on God. And I want everybody to hear this. If you look at your Bible, God wants you to do things according to what He says and not gut feeling. Uh, somebody said, well, I let my heart lead me. And the same Bible that you read says that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, and you don't even know your heart is what God said about it. Somebody said, that's offensive. No, it's not. It's the Bible. So let's understand. If you consider Paul, he was put in jail. Why was he put in jail? Because he was walking in, and number two, fulfilling his call from God. He was in it and fulfilling it. And he got put in jail. Prima facie case. The devil wanted the devil wanted silence from Paul's vocal cards. The devil said, Okay, I'll handle this. He behind the pulpit at the first Pentecostal Church of God over in Ephesus. Well, it might have been First Baptist, that's okay. But he he uh, he he was there and he's preaching, and the devil said, I'm gonna take his pulpit away from him. I'm going to get it. And that's what Satan did. He grabbed that pulpit. And when he grabbed that pulpit, it was gone for Paul. It left him. And when I tell you this, I mean this so clearly. It's so scary almost. When, when he did this, everybody said, wait a minute. At first glance, it's an open and shut case. The pulpit's over. Paul is not going to do what God intended him to do. The devil got in the middle of the plan. Slammed the door, got the pulpit, drug it away from him, and put him in the jailhouse, and it is over. Prima facie, first glance, first look, the way we diagnose it in our own mind and heart. Do you understand that Paul wrote 13 of the 27 New Testament books? Do you know that 50% of those books that he wrote were written not behind a pulpit, but while he was in jail while he was incarcerated in the jailhouse the devil said I'll take his pulpit but he unleashed his ballpoint pen hallelujah and he wrote letters to the churches and he had an anointing of God Almighty and the ministry of Paul did not die because Satan thought that he had the program handle but the devil does not know God's plan He's not bigger than God, greater than God, more powerful than God. Satan is a loser, and God is a victor, and Jesus is still alive. And hell doesn't like that, but that's the way God operates. Amen. So Satan had a prima facie case. I'll take care of that. You know Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon are all written while Paul was in jail under arrest. All four of those books. Do you know that when he was in, uh, in a jail in Rome, in a dungeon, when he was there, do you know he wrote both First and Second Timothy out of a jailhouse? He didn't have a pulpit. 
<laughs> God didn't care. God opened up something that nobody could see. And I'm over here 2,000 years later, and I'm looking back, and I'm shocked at how great God is. I'm shocked at how the devil fought. I'm shocked at how many disciples they killed. I'm shocked at all of those that died. I'm shocked that a million believers died the first 100 years of the church. I'm stunned at all of that. But guess what? 2,000 years later, the prima facie case that hell had folded on him. And right now there's a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, washed in the blood of the Lamb, on its way to heaven, shouting victory, saved by the blood, Holy Ghost filled, praying for the sick, delivering the bound and setting people free, and healing marriages and healing financial situations. Don't give up on God. God is still God today, and the devil does not have power over the Lord. He is still on the throne. He still has a promise that my son will step out on the verandas of heaven and a trumpet will sound and the dead shall be raised out of the cemetery and the glory of God will fill the earth and the millennial reign. Let's give him some praise. Our God is alive today. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Now, if you will allow me. Uh, it looked like at first observation, Paul was done. No pulpit, no church. It was a prima facie case. But while his pulpit was taken away, his quill and his inkwell were not. He, his pen was unleashed. Whatever the devil tries to do to hurt the church is so crazy how it backfires on the devil. Boom, right in his face. It just does it. Some of the greatest truths in the Bible were written by Paul in the jailhouse. I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. <laughs> you know those words? Timothy. Paul wrote them to Timothy in jail. Now, now understand this. Look here. Look here. He was not at a convention. He was not doing the keynote address. At a Bible conference. He was not in a mega church with television cameras everywhere. No. He was in prison. In stocks and bonds. I studied the history on it. I have read every bit of history I can. I have read history and history and history. I'm a, I'm a fiend on it. And I, and I read about that scholars, now not the Bible, but scholars tell us that he was in a dungeon when it rained. That, that water back up into his missionary cell. And he'd have to stand on his feet for days at a time with water up to his chest. If he were set down, he'd drown in his own missionary cell. That's what history says. It said that in the dry season of the year that rats would run out of the cracks in the walls of the dungeon. And by the time they got him unleashed and out of stocks and bonds to eat his food, that rats would have been in his plate eating already. I've read all that stuff in history. But what history does not tell you is that they had to change his guards every three hours. Because when they left him in that cell with him longer than that, he won them all to Jesus. Amen. Come on, God's on the throne, church. Shout hallelujah. Do you know that, that, that the historians don't talk about all those jailers that got, got saved? They don't tell you that when the water back up in his missionary cell, and before he let them get out of there, he baptized him in water in the prison. 
Would you give God some praise today? I'm trying to convey to you that we've got a God who's got things in control. I know it doesn't look like it sometimes, but understand this. When Paul wrote this, it was not a synagogue, a church with a pulpit. It was in the, in the worst of situations. And I'm going to give you three reasons right quickly why, why Satan's plan is going to fail. All right? Here we go. Satan's plan is going to fail because the devil has been mortally wounded by the power of the blood of Jesus. Somebody say mortally wounded. How many of y'all know James, James Dobson, the great author? Could you, have you read his works? James Dobson writes this in one of his books. I'm going to give it to you quickly. He said that one of the missionaries that they had came home to find a huge, massive python on the floor of his hut. How many of y'all know how big pythons can get? This big around and as long as from here to Joe right there. Man, now they're massive. Uh, and, and they're constrictors. They don't bite you with poison. They, they constrict you and, and squeeze the life out of you. The body's still intact, but you're dead. And that massive python was in the hut of the missionary. It had gotten in there some way. The missionary had a pistol. He retrieved it. And the python was in the place moving around. The missionary pulled out his pistol and shot that massive python right in the head. And when it did, it broke loose, writhing and twisting and thronging and slashing and beating. And it beat the furniture to pieces. It beat the walls out of the house, out of the hut. It destroyed the, everything, the, the chairs. It just lashed and beat and tangled and, and, and it was, it was listen, listen, for lack of better terms, the python thrashed that hut to no account anymore. Now, hear my words right now. The snake was mortally wounded. He was mortally wounded. He did not die quickly, but he was mortally wounded. I don't know if you got that. I pray in the name of Jesus that the devil you know is mortally wounded, and he's thrashing everybody he can. He's hurting everybody he can. He's coming against every family he can come against. He's coming against your finances. He's coming against your kids. He's coming against your church. He's coming against the body of Jesus. He's coming against the citizens of the nations. He's fighting his way. And somebody said, why? Because he's mortally wounded. His day is marked. He's already got the bullet to the head. Somebody said, well, when did that happen? Oh, in Genesis 3.15, <laughs> where God said, I'll bruise the head of the serpent. Amen. I'm going to crack down on his skull. And when I do it, my Jesus, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Something I'm saying right now is not going into your ears. It's going into your heart. This is not hitting your eardrums. This is hitting your heart. Right now, hear what I'm trying to tell you. That devil knows he is doomed. At Calvary, Jesus cried with a loud voice. And he came down on the devil's head. He's wounded right now. He's flashing. He's hurting. He's in trouble. And the kingdom of God is expanding worldwide. And the blood of Jesus is still real. Somebody's got to help me right now. Satan knows he's on his way out. Read the book of Revelation at the end where God takes him and drags him by the angels to a bottomless pit and chunks him in for the last time. He'll never come out again. 
and they will perish in eternity, but we will dance on streets of gold and magnify the name of a God Almighty in heaven, and we'll know that He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Somebody get the gates of heaven open and the pearls there, because I'm not going to wait long to see my Jesus who conquered the snake. Hallelujah. I'm on the winning side today. Would you shout praise God because the Lord is on the throne. Mm. Is this hot? Come on, say amen. It sure ain't cold, is it? Hallelujah. Your problem may not be answered in October, but God's going to do it. Mm -hmm. Somebody say, "Uh uh-huh. Here is what happened to the devil. He got his wisdom corrupted. He got his wisdom corrupted. Ezekiel 28 and verse 17 and 18. Let me read it to you. Your heart became proud on the account of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to earth. What? I wish I had something up here I could throw without getting in trouble. I don't have anything up here I can throw without getting in trouble. That being bad. So give me those Kleenex, pal. That's the only thing I can throw without having a board meeting. <laughs> Come on, church. Say amen. <laughs> Y'all know I'm kidding. I, I, I could have thrown anything up here except maybe uh, Trey's drums. <laughs> but, but he said, I threw you to the earth. He didn't say, okay, here, you're going to have to get up again a second, okay, all right. He said, okay, now, I'll see you later. That's not the way it happened. You're so good. He said, Satan, glory, did you get a visual? Did you get a visual just now? Is that how God did it? Sure it is. Somebody said, well, how do you know that? Because the book of Matthew says, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall as lightning. You know how fast light travels? 186,000 miles a second. Man, if you're going 186,000 miles a second, your nose is going to bleed. Amen. You're not in a cap- pressurized cabin in a jet at 35,000 feet. No, no. That's the speed of light. I saw Satan fall as lightning fast. And so God said, I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before the kings of the world. By your many sins and dishonest trade, you have desecrated your sanctuary. So I made fire come out of you and consumed you. And I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all that, that who are watching. He has corrupted wisdom. Don't listen to the devil. Don't listen to the devil. One more time. Don't listen to the devil. Listen to God. It looked like an open and shut case. Prima facie. Somebody say, but God. Satan's plan is going to be folded. Number two, because God gave us a word in due season. A word in due season. Now look at me, saints. Y'all are mature enough to understand this. Have you ever needed 
just a word from somebody, a preacher, a lay person? Have you ever needed just a word and just at the right time somebody walked up and said one little sentence and suddenly on the inside of you God's hope reblossomed. Amen. It just came to life again. It just flourished. I want you all to hear this. Satan's plan is going to fail because of a word in due season. If you have a beautiful word from God, don't take an hour to tell somebody. Plant a seed. Scratch the dirt over it. And let one plant it. And let somebody else water it. And let God give the increase. Look at your neighbor and say, that's good preaching. Amen. I, I, I've got to tell you that in Proverbs 37, excuse me, Psalms 37, my, my bad. 37, verse 14 and 15. The wicked have drawn the sword and they have bent their bow. Look at that. Let me, let me show you what it means. The enemy has drawn his sword and holding it up. And the enemy has put an arrow in his bow and has pulled it back. That's what that means. And he said they're going to try to cast down the poor and the needy and slay those who are upright conduct. What's the devil trying to do? Come on, buddy. What's he trying to do? If you're upright in your conduct, you love God, what's he, he's going to pull his sword and pull his bow. And he's going to try to do that to you. The sword, here's what God said in, in Psalms 37, verse 14 and 15, the sword shall enter into their own heart and the bows shall be broken. <laughs> Even Jesus needed a word in season. Okay? Here's the last one. At the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, what did Satan do to him? This is my last of the three. What did Satan do to him? Satan came to him and he said, I know you've been doing without food for a month now. What's that 40-day thing? 40 days and nights? It's been a month since you had any, anything from a, a burger, brawler, uh, no mayo, all right? So I know, yeah, I know you hadn't had a bite, but I, I want to let you know right now, it's not going to change anything. And Satan came to him and said, okay, if, everybody say out loud, if, say it one more time. I want the word if to stick with you right for the minute. He said, if you are the son of God. If, that's that little doubt thing. That's that little thing that Satan just tries on everybody. He said, if that's who you are, why don't you turn these stones into bread? You haven't eaten in over a month now. Why don't you do this? And Jesus had a word in season from God. 
because 40 days earlier, 40 days earlier, Jesus was standing waist deep in a river, and John the Baptist, his first cousin, had him by the hands and baptized him in the water. All right, everybody put your thinking cap on. You've got to think with me. This is going to be rich now. He put him in the water and pulled him up. And when he came up out of the water, there was a voice out of heaven that did not say, If you're my son, it said, This is my son. And who? <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah! The devil uses the word if. God said is. Uh huh. Everybody say, uh huh. The devil uses the word if. God said, this is my beloved son. Now you can go through a lot of hell if you know your father claims ownership of you. Amen. There's a, there's a, there are billions of kids probably in the world today that needs a daddy to say, you're my child and I'm pleased with you. Because some kids have never heard that. At the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, and here's that, here's that, this is going to be the crowning moment of all of it. At the end of his earthly ministry, there's a crowd that cried out at the cross. They're looking up there. And they say, he saved others. He cannot save himself. Prima facie, it's not going to work. You can't do it. And somebody said, if thou be the Son of God, if thou be the Son of God, Save yourself. Just do this. And the crowd said, if. Everybody say if again. But what that crowd didn't know, that just a few days earlier, before the crucifixion, there was a mountain called Mount Transfiguration. <laughs> oh my God, I feel a joy bubbling in my life. If I could leap and touch that ceiling right now, I'd do it. Mount of Transfiguration, they were up there on that mountain, and you had Moses and Elijah and Jesus, and they're all up there. And Peter says, Woo, let's build a tabernacle here and have church. And James said, Well, let's do this. And man, they were just all talking and having this great time. And all of a sudden, a voice out of heaven said, This is my beloved son. Hear him. When he started preaching, the devil said, if. When he got into the test, God said, it is, not if. When he did three and a half years of preaching, the crowd said, if you are. God said, is my son. God had a word for Jesus a word in season. How many of you ever got a word in season? 
a sermon, a Sunday school lesson, a hug. Somebody looked you in the eyeballs on the way out of church and said, I prayed for you this week. Amen. I had you on my mind yesterday. I was at a traffic signal and I shut my eyes for a brief second and asked God to help you. Folks, let me tell you, God is saying, is, and the Satan of hell has been mortally wounded and he's still, still trying to convince us if it's true. Somebody say, it's true. God is on my side. God is in my heart. God has a pay raise coming for me. Come on, say it out loud. And then said, well, Brother Johnson, you don't understand times. I don't understand times. The devil does. Amen. But God. Say, but God. And, that, and that's what God's trying to say. That my marriage has got some problems. But God is still God. I have a child that's gone wayward. But God is still God. I have something that went wrong. My mind is stressed. But God, look, the devil, the devil is going to be wrapped up, tied up, and bundled all up and marched to the abyss. And he and his followers will be there throughout eternity. But, oh, my Savior, I'm going to be kicking up gold dust on Main Street right in front of the throne of God, magnifying the name of Jesus, where darkness never comes and the light never goes out and the gates never close. Where none of that ever happens. And the city is a thousand five hundred miles tall and a thousand five hundred miles wide. It has gates on all sides of the city. I can go in and out throughout eternity and work in the kingdom of God. Somebody ought to be happy with me today that God is not saying if. He's saying it is. Say out loud, it is. Give God a good praise. Amen. Well, I've already given my altar call a while ago. Amen. And you got it then. Walk on it all week. Amen. Walk on it all week long. Amen. He'll, he, he'll do it again. He's on your side. Praise God. Father, I love you. I've been walking with you. I've been listening to you. And you've never left nor forsaken me. And I want to thank you for that. God, I want you to minister today to somebody in this house. When they go out of here and pass those greeters at the doors, let them have a peace in their heart that you don't have to settle up in October at harvest. But you're going to settle up grand and big at the right moment. And in Jesus' name, I praise you for this, Father. And I ask you to complete the work and do it quickly for the body. And I also pray, Father, we'll hear testimony of this, of people, even in the next few days, about a miracle.
In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, my, 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 what a good day. Would you say amen?